The Diabetes Podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking to your doctor. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Diabetes Podcast, where we empower diabetics to live the life they deserve. And today, Dr. Grady and I are about to get a little emotional here. Yeah, so today we're talking about uh, mental health and diabetes, and basically how this is going to go is we're talking about the struggles of living with type 1 diabetes on a day-to-day basis. So if you have um, friends or loved ones that you would like to have them better understand what it's like to live with diabetes, because um, that's one of the most, probably the hardest thing is relating how hard it is. Um, and it's also one of the hardest things to understand when you're not diabetic is how hard it is on a day-to-day basis. Um, and so that being said, you can see how this might turn kind of depressing and dark, but at the same time, this is going to be an inspiring podcast. Cause if you've been listening to me and, and Garrett, um, for any amount of time, you can, you know, that we don't think this way. And, um, we have a very positive outlook on life and life with diabetes. So, um, stick with us. Mm-hmm. But that being said, you know, it's not always, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. It, it gets yep. freaking hard mm-hmm. out there. And, uh, we kind of want to start by the, the daily, the daily struggle a diabetic might, uh, encounter, uh, as well as I think a good jumping off point is, uh, something that happened at work today with one of my patients. Um, so I was working with uh, a patient, you know, and they saw the veterans saw that I was working with my insulin pump and saw the cords sticking out. And this veteran was a medic in the military and, you know, is a nurse and is very well knowledge about a lot of medical um, information. And so she asked me about my diabetes and she was talking about her friend who's uh, been diagnosed since two years old. And then as we are talking, she, uh, she says, oh yeah, well, she's a, she's actually a terrible diabetic. Mm. And what a complicated phrase that is to hear. Yeah. Um, and what a ang- can anger infusing phrase that is, uh, understand. And while that phrase has meaning to it and some understanding, but to a non-diabetic, who the heck are you to say such a term? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your, why don't you unpack what a terrible, what, what is a terrible diabetic grade? What, what would that even mean? Yeah. I think when people say that they, whether they understand the disease or not. So since this person does have a fair understanding of, of the disease, I'm sure they've seen their fair share of emergency situations with diabetics, whether it be high or low. And so coming from that position, she probably does understand and sees the person eating a certain way or living a certain way, whether that be not taking insulin, not checking the blood sugar, things like that. Um, However, I have people comment that to me who don't know much about diabetes and they just see a person eating a certain way. Um, and assuming that they aren't controlling their diabetes very well or aren't thinking about it. Um, and so it can sometimes be unfairly, um, labeled that way. Um, or, you know, 
somewhat justifiably labeled that way but ultimately it's it's hard to uh i mean until you put it in that context like when people would say that to me i mean i, I never really took it to heart um because i like i just kind of understood what they're trying to convey to me as far as like okay this person doesn't check their blood sugar or doesn't you know keep right. try to at least try to keep it in range um i think if somebody were to label somebody who's trying to keep it in range, a terrible diabetic, that I would probably be very upset with. But if somebody were to label somebody who's not trying at all, a terrible diabetic, well, there's a little bit more justification there, even though there's probably a lot more to unpack than just what you see on the surface. Um, but when I hear that, that's kind of what I think. Yeah, it's a it's a perception issue, right? It's how other people perceive the person and label it and then how we perceive that word and phrase at the same time too. Yeah. So, so you, you hit the nail right on the head there, Grady with, um, you know, how, what is the intent behind what the diabetic is doing, what that person is doing. And there's a perception issue with, you know, oh, and there's not necessarily an um, intent to harm with those words, right? Mm -hmm. Like somebody saying, Oh, you're a terrible diabetic. They don't, because they don't know the struggle that we go through every day doesn't know how dramatic that phrase could actually be because mm -hmm. a lot of people are either tying their self-worth to what they're doing and what they're trying, and what they're not. And they're trying to create a, a degree of separation. And when it comes to, I think what you said, if your blood sugar is out of control and you're trying, you're not a terrible diabetic. You're on a learning journey, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, that's completely different than somebody who is, you know, with uncontrolled numbers, who's not trying, but at the same time, that doesn't mean they're terrible. That just means they don't have any kind of guidance whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You know, what is it? You know, no one was asked for this kind of disease or disorder. So what makes it, them terrible about it? Just the fact that they haven't fully processed everything yet. You know, I think, but again, that person hasn't, who said those types of words, don't fully understand the weight of, of what they're saying. So I don't think it, there needs to be this counter attack to some people and i've definitely like have you ever like snapped at somebody if they've said something like that to you um no because like i don't know for i one i'm a hard person to offend and two like i don't i don't read that much into into people's comments mm -hmm. whether it be, be because they're informed or they're not informed um because like people say stuff all the time without realizing what a person's going through and diabetes is w something that really nobody can understand or understand what they're going through unless they've gone through that or, and I can't really think of anything that's like diabetes that, that can, that can compare to it. Um, the constant, like thinking about food, blood sugar, insulin all the time. Um, to, at least to my knowledge, somebody can tell me, but doesn't really happen with a whole lot of other conditions. Right. No, I, I agree. I don't think there's much out there that has the same amount of weight, you know, even other autoimmunity. It's like, it doesn't require the same degree of management. That's what it really comes down to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't fault the non-diabetic for saying that because they, because I think what, why they say it to me is because they see me as like this person of health and like this, like 
what they see i'm not saying this to myself but what they see is like this like <laughs> perfect diabetic um who like floating right that's now. not even the case like i'm not a perfect diabetic at all but um that's what they see and that's what they perceive and so when they right. see me and see how i take care of my diabetes and how like as on top of it as i can be um then they make that comparison in their mind and say well this person is not a good diabetic because they see a big difference between what i'm doing to try and control my diabetes versus what they see this other person mm -hmm. so it's like what? without that understanding of what each of us is going through when you see a massive difference between one person and the other it's easy to come to that conclusion and be like this person's just not a good diabetic right um i think a term that really that even medical professionals were using back in the day was uncompliant an uncompliant diabetic is what like endocrinologists used to use um well the reason why your sugars are so out of whack and everything is you're you're not following my directions yeah like no i think that that right there that scenario i think is much different um because I mean, especially me being a doctor now and working with patients, like I almost always blame myself first. And before I even think about blaming the patient, like what have I not done both therapeutic wise, advice wise, and also like inspiration wise, like mm -hmm. if they're not changing, what do I need to say? What do I need to do for that patient to help them get them to a spot in their mind where they can make a better decision right consistently mm -hmm. well if all of healthcare had that and <laughs> that mentality i think that would definitely get the gears turning in our healthcare system um and that insurance system and political system uh, but uh yeah no that's that it is a different situation right but that almost highlights right there those are two similar but very drastically different scenarios in what somebody could be a diabetic mind could be assaulted from, you mm -hmm. know, like from two different ways, you could easily go down a spiral of, Oh, it's not me. Cause most doctors don't have that mentality. Yeah. Most doctors aren't saying, um, Oh, it's my fault. I didn't fully explain it to you. Let me do this again. Cause I apologize. You know, when was the last time a doctor apologized to a patient, <laughs> like in a hospital setting, yeah. probably not ever, you know, or not very commonly. Um, but that's just even two scenarios right there that somebody can easily start thinking, this is me. Something's wrong with me. I can't handle this. I have to do this for the rest of my life and I can't do it. So why bother? Right. Because mm -hmm. on top of these advice and kind of comments from peers or friends or other medical professionals, then you actually have to do the, do the diabetes every single day. Right. F finger sticks. And at that any given moment without CGM or not, you have to think, am I going up or down? You know, mm -hmm. what do I, how much insulin do I have on board? You know, I think I've seen like, it's anywhere from like 52 to 358, like questions a diabetic needs to ask a day more than, than a regular person. Yeah. I, I don't feel like that's under, wait. yeah, underestimated. <laughs> I don't even, I don't know how the, those numbers get come up with. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, to meal times, to when I last exercise, to checking in with yourself, to when your last um, bolus was or what your overall insulin sensitivity has been over the day, over the week, 
You know, you just made a post that your blood sugar has been kind of out of whack. And so you're getting more data. So you're literally mm-hmm. doing something differently now than you, what you were to get a better overall understanding of how you should act in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, you were thinking behind to think better in the present and doing an action now, uh, you know, in the present for the future. Yeah. Yeah. It's like any, anything that you're doing, if you're listening and you're non-diabetic, anything that you're doing, like you're working for your job or you are on vacation, whatever scenario, whatever you're doing right now, you're running, listening to this, you're working out, listen to this, listen to this, think about the questions that you've asked yourself while you're listening to this and then times that by 10 because that's how many things a diabetic is thinking about while also trying to live their life. So if I'm working on a project in that, let's say I'm writing a paper for school or something. While I'm writing that paper, I am thinking about what I'm going to be eating next, what I ate before, how that's affecting my blood sugar, how my blood sugar has been for the last couple of days, whether it's been good, like even when it's good, you're thinking about, hey, it's been good. What have I been doing to make it good? Or mm-hmm. if it's been bad, has it been low? Has it been high? Has it been up and down? And then what? Why is that? Why is that happening? Is it because I just added exercise, or because I stopped exercising, or is it because I changed the time of exercise, or they changed the type of food, or when I'm eating? And then, um, and then also like dosing. Since I changed those things, how do I need to change my dosage? And, you know, maybe this situation happened like years ago. And then how does that play into how I'm doing now? And as you're thinking about all those things, as you write in the paper, Microsoft Word pops up and says, oh, sorry, we didn't save it. And all 50 pages of what you're just writing got deleted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the life that is normally experiencing is still happening, but you just need to somehow think about it more. Yeah. The capacity to be it requires a bigger capacity to, to do things. And that can be hard to adjust to and learn to, uh, cause you could, I could have let you ramble for another yeah minutes of mm-hmm. just an error, you know, like the amount of questions you need to think is unreal every single day. And then it's like, then you need to act and then you need to figure out it requires action. So not just thoughts. It's like, Oh, do I need to stop my run right now to then check? Or you're in a role with a paper, my blood sugar is getting lower or high. I don't feel like stopping right now. I need, I really want to continue with this momentum. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like I've had literally, I haven't had to walk out of a room with a patient because of my low blood sugar or high blood sugar, but I'm pretty dang close to, and as, you know, I literally can interrupt whatever you're actually doing and pull you from that moment, which is unreal. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it can like, if you're doing something that requires a lot of focus, one asking yourself all these questions and thinking about all these things can can sometimes throw you off or at least slow you down but then on top of that you end up you're like oh i feel a little funny or you're just saying i want to make sure my blood sugar is good right now for whatever reason and you check it and it is 250 you were totally not expecting it you're expecting it to be perfect and being able to continue with your work and yet this number shows up and depending on your temperament, like for me, if I see that and I'm not expecting to see that, I'm instantly pissed off 
and there's no way I'm getting any work done because I'm focused on why did this happen? And now I have to worry about this and correct this. So now I got to take some insulin. And if I'm, if I have to stay here and do this, I'm constantly like pissed off about why this is here. If not, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get up and go for a run so I can knock it down. So that way I don't think about it anymore and I can continue right. working on whatever I'm working on. Right. And so it just totally derailed what I had been doing. And now I'm like, I got to refocus and momentum is everything. When you're doing something focused based, like writing a paper or doing some type of work, it's like all that momentum just like died and you got to start it back up. Then the opposite can happen too, right? You think you're super high. And so you're rage bolus or, or, you know, there's, <laughs> there are a lot of memes about this. <laughs> it's, you know, you think you're high, you give yourself a lot of insulin, you check and you were perfect. But man, you, now your insulin on board, which you can't take out, is like 10 units and you mm -hmm. needed like zero. And you're like, oh no, I'm about to have a bad time. <laughs> you know, and so you you start trying to eat and drink and, and you start, there's fear in there and there's a real like danger if you mm -hmm. don't act appropriately. It's not just a psychological fear that we've talked about of like meditate, calm your mind and your brain, you'll get over it. No, it's like, it requires action. You might feel fine now, but you know, you're not about to. Yeah. And it can just spiral from there and there on. And there's just so, so many scenarios that it's hard to even articulate fully what you go through as a diabetic, unless you talk with another diabetic. Um, you're part of a diabetic community. You're going to summer camps as a kid. If you're a camp counselor, you're involved in some way. Unless you're doing that, if you're just moving along your day and you live in a small town in Arkansas or in North Dakota or in some city in, in France, you know, excuse my American style of not knowing geography out besides here, because I know uh, most of our listeners are in the United States. But uh, there, anyways, there are some outside, but you get the point. If you're all alone and you don't have another diabetic to really converse, it's, it's hard to like get this burden of all these struggles um, about what you do on a daily basis, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Cause of, you can, you can like complain to somebody just to like vent to somebody like your parents or your loved one or your friends who are, who are around you. You can complain to them or vent to them about what your day or what your day is like right now or what you're going through right now. But it's almost like, it almost sometimes makes it worse because they can't relate. And so all they can say is like, try and say some positive like words to you. And it almost kind of makes it worse because like, well, you don't even understand, like, don't tell me to be happy about it or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and it can be really hard. Mm -hmm. It's just the, if you don't feel like you're part of a community is it can just be so Heartful and, and hurtful and hard. And um, that's part of the reason why we want to have this podcast and just be another voice. So that way people can feel included because you're not going through it alone. Mm -hmm. Right. There's, there are millions of diabetics out there, you know, part of the, you know, we talked about our last episode about 90% are type two, which are still hard things to deal with, but 10% of them are type one and a lot are even undiagnosed. And, but man, there are millions of people in this, in the country and in the world that are dealing with what you are and you are not alone. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's step number one. 
just to realize that for, for if you're not di- if you are diabetic and you're struggling is that. And if you're not diabetic and you have a friend, you just need to you need to be able to hold space or, or essentially be there for them. Ask them questions. Sometimes you just that's all you need to do. You don't need to ask advice or give advice. You just need to ask questions. And then if it if it clicks, it clicks. Yeah. But it's something it's one of the hard things to do if you're not diabetic because you can't force even another diabetic can't force another diabetic to to change their mindset. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that Grady, you're you're amazing. If I start to say get resentment of myself and then my ability and I look at you, I'm going to resent you and everything you're doing. It's not going to have zero effect on me. Mm-hmm. Right. So it doesn't matter that you're low carb, don't eat gluten, eat steaks and, and run all that. That's great for you. But screw you. Uh, that's not you're not me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a, there's always a, a comparison issue. So it's there's so many things every single day that we deal with. And then to be able to express it as hard, being able to listen if you're not diabetic can be a, a pretty hard task too. Yeah. I think depending on who the friend is, if you're non-diabetic and listening to this, who your friend is that is that or family member that is diabetic, um, you kind of have to meet them where they are. And like for me, if I'm like really frustrated about my diabetes like at the moment i think probably the best thing somebody could say to me would be something like yeah screw diabetes like it's the it's the worst but yeah. you know it is what it is but like versus saying something like oh it's all right it, um you you got it you'll be fine stuff like that or like oh i'm sorry i'm sorry you're feeling this way it's like i don't need a pity party i just i'm just pissed like if you, if you can be pissed with me, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's, so the things we deal with on a daily basis add a lot of weight to the bar of life yeah. for diabetic. Right. So it's, it's just incredibly difficult. Um, you then, a diabetic then has to go through the actions, which we kind of just commented on, but then there's frustrations with uh, nutrition and just finding the right foods. A lot of people don't know, like are very uneducated about how to eat and what to eat. And that can feel depressing. Like everything I eat screws me up. I don't know what to do. Yeah. You know, that's, that is down the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Um, Then it could be things along the lines of fear, like with Don, you you know, and that he was literally afraid to work out of low blood sugars. You can then, and then you can start creating unhealthy relationships to random things, like whether it be exercise or sleeping, maybe somebody could have it like, Oh, I don't want to go to bed because I'm afraid to go low and die at night. Mm-hmm. You know, because that is a possibility. Yep. <laughs> you know? there, there's countless things that you can start to be create what seems to be unrealistic fears, but at the same time is a possibility. So you can't just shrug it off at the same yeah. time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like having those fears, like, I mean, there's plenty of days where I'm like, I want to work out, but I'm like, man, I'm, I, I just feel like my blood sugar is really unstable. And if I go work out, I'm just going to crash and then that's going to ruin my workout anyways. So it's like, do I go work out or not? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have those days because like I'm one of those people where 
I will work out no matter how crappy I feel as far as like unrelated to diabetes, but with diabetes, if like my blood sugar is real low or just feeling really unstable, it's like, man, it's hard to get myself to go because I don't have a whole lot of confidence in what my body's going to do. Yeah. And that's that's the last thing you said. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in what my body's going to do. That was like with, um, with Brandon, right? Or their mm-hmm. episode with Brandon, uh, he had zero confidence because he was so unstable. He couldn't do anything, yeah. right? And, and and that's like another different example. And listen, re-listen to that episode about his story of getting through all of that and and finding the strength to to fi- be able to do some of those things. And it can be just over. It, you can just end up getting because you think there's so many things to do in so many situations, the amount of punches that you have to take in a day increase dramatically. Mm-hmm. And somebody's ability to take a punch from life all depends on a lot of factors. It's not just mental strength and toughness. It's support. It's mental health. Yeah. It's everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Great. When, when was a, what was one of the hardest diabetic days you think you've had? Not like the first year of your diagnosis, but like, you know, where it's like, man, you got really down, angry. I know you get more angry. You know, what's like a day that you really felt like, shit, just screw this. Um, I would say I can't think of anything specifically because there's never, I I shouldn't say never. There's, well, there's never been a day where it's like so overwhelming that it's like stuck with me this long. Um, there's definitely been days where I'm like, man, it would just be so nice if I didn't have to worry about this. I think mainly it comes down to sports for me. Um, so when I was in high school, um, whether it was having to take a break to check my blood sugar or, um, or just my blood sugar being out of whack and it affecting my performance, like we've talked about a lot before. Um, but recently, um, you know, down moving down here to Arizona, I've been golfing with my parents fairly frequently. And, uh, like two weeks ago. So I've golfed like two times in the past, like two weeks. So like two weeks ago, uh, my blood sugar was really high. I shouldn't say really high. It was actually out of control. So it was kind of yo-yoing and, this was when I was transitioning off of long acting onto my pump. And so I was high before we went to golf when we got to, so I took a lot of, in, you know, a fair amount of insulin for the correction. And then I got to the course. We were about ready to tee off on the first hole and I felt like I was tanking. So I drank a juice box. I didn't check my blood sugar. I should have. But I didn't check it because I felt a pretty strong indication that it was tanking. So I, I drank a juice box and then like halfway through, well, towards the end of the front nine, I checked my blood sugar because I just wanted to see where it was because I was feeling like I was getting hungry. Usually that's one of my first indicators that my blood sugar is starting to get maybe into the normal or below normal range. So I checked it and it was 200 and I was so pissed off. And well, pretty much the whole round because my blood sugar was all over the place. I was just, I was just frustrated. And Mm -hmm. so I golfed really, really terribly 
because I was frustrated. So I wasn't thinking about golfing and therefore I hit pretty bad shots. So that just made me even more frustrated. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, like even when I'm hitting bad, I usually like, I'm like, it's a nice day out. I'm enjoying time with my family. It's not like I'm like, it's just, I don't talk to anybody cause I'm so pissed. It's just like, well, whatever. And so, you know, throughout the whole day, it was just like all over the place. And I was just so frustrated. And that day I was like, man, if, if I, if I hadn't been all over the place, regardless of if I hit well or not, because of my blood sugar, I at least would have enjoyed the day spending, spending the day with my parents golfing and being outside in the sun. Mm-hmm. because the very next time I went golfing, I didn't, I wasn't hitting very good to start off with. And it was very similar to that last time golfing. And I was still enjoying the day because my blood sugar was fine. Whether that was physiologically, um, a reason why my mental health went off or simply the psychology of like my blood sugar being all over the place. And I am a perfectionist. So it bothers me that it's all over the place. Um, whatever it was, it was diabetes related. Mm -hmm. And that was really frustrating to me having like, it's frustrating to me that diabetes has such a control over me as far as my happiness goes and how well I'm able to enjoy something in the moment. Because if I'm constantly thinking about, well, God damn it. Like, why is my blood sugar doing this? And what do I have to do to correct it? If I'm thinking about that while I'm on vacation or trying to enjoy a moment, like there's no enjoying that moment. Cause I'm like, whether it's because I'm not present in the moment or also maybe I'm also irritated and pissed off about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it sucks. Yeah. It's, I think you said two things there, but I kind of almost want to highlight what you said in the fact that it literally just made you so angry, right? You're like, you're, it could turn, what should be a great moment or a fun moment or relaxing moment and a moment you could be looking forward to and just completely create this anger ball, this ball of anger and situation and stress that's going to have impacts on you Mm -hmm. in in various ways. And then you said something along the lines of, you know, physiologically, which we aren't talking about a whole lot here, Mm -hmm. but I mean, these high and low blood sugars are literally going to be affecting your blood chemistry Mm -hmm. and affecting your physiology. And so it doesn't only create anger and depression uh, based on our lifestyle events, but literally it's changing how your body creates dopamine and serotonin and and glutamate and GABA and everything in there uh, from a variety of mechanisms. One could be just hyperglycemia, period. One could be because it throws off the dysfunction in your gut and that therefore throw off your neurotransmitters because the gut floor gets all messed up the communication between the neurotransmitters that are produced in the gut and more that's produced in the brain get thrown off you know hyperglycemia could throw off your ability to use iron you know there's just so many things from a yeah. chemistry perspective that it's doing um which is which is wild and so that's one thing to keep in mind too that it's it's literally when you're feeling these mixed emotions, anger, I have a story about exhaustion um, here in a moment, but whatever you're feeling, there's a weight of everything that we're doing. But then when you then look at your trends, it literally could be fueling the fires of those emotions then too. 
in those roller coasters. Mm-hmm. Then you talk about, you know, 51% because 51% of America is females. You talk about, you know, you know, pre-menopause women and cycles. And that could be, that's a whole different type of stress too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it's just crazy at how everything can be thrown off. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so with me, I, I have a thought in, in a memory. It was um, actually when I was in chiropractic school and it was 2017. I was just starting, you know, I was like within uh, a year, like less than a year into chiropractic school. And man, it was, I was getting beat up. I wasn't sure if I could hack this. I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue doing this, this type of work in this schooling. I've probably failed like a quiz and like three exams. And then I had more I had to study for that night. I was probably getting low sleep because of stress. I was like, you know, probably waking up at 3 a.m. Don't recommend waking up at 3 a.m., folks. Um, (laughs) I was waking up at 3 a.m., um, I was questioning my worth. My worth at that moment was attaching to my academic performance. Um, I was then starting to live with you and meet you and I could see how well academically you were doing, how much more control your diabetes was doing. Um, and I knew there was a, I, in my mind, I created a disconnect of so many things of where I wanted to be in life and where I was on top of literally just being tired of, of waking up at a bad time so many nights and weeks in a row getting beat up with all these exams, I get home. It's like 9.52 and it's all intents and purposes. It's late. It's not that late. It's late if you've been up since 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. and doing it for a while. And I remember just thinking, I'm just going to freaking pass out. And I walk home. I go knees forward, bent, just face plant onto my bed, backpacks on my back. And I just finally get a moment that sometimes you, you need after a long day of just a breath of just, and I was trying to take that moment. I was so wanted that moment. I was looking forward to that moment where I could breathe and rest. And then what starts going off? Beep, Most beep. annoying sound in the world. My pocket starts vibrating and it's my insulin pump. And even that the, the day and life was demanding so much of me and I deserved to pass out and get the minimal amount of sleep that I was requiring of myself at that time. And I was about to, I had to make a decision in my head if I was going to ignore my diabetes. And I knew if I did, it would make situations worse. Or if I wanted to say, screw diabetes, I don't care. I'm going to just go to bed anyways. And I just went to bed. And what was that alarm? I don't even, I don't even know, but I know I woke up with my blood sugar super high. I could have been low reservoir, low battery, um, infusion set was blocked. It could have been, I don't think I had a CGM at that moment. So I don't think it was a message like that, but life was demanding so much. I put so much pressure in my life and this could happen for so many reasons. You could have financial issues. You could have relationship issues, family issues, work issues, when life is taking all of your energy and then you get home, beep, 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 diabetes doesn't stop. Yep. And that's one of the hardest things about when we talk about everything that we deal with on a daily basis is that, yeah, we deal with it. And, you know, try, we're trying to get this empathy with a listener saying, whatever you do, think about that, whatever you're thinking about times 10, but it's 
there you might your run's gonna eventually end yeah you know you're eventually gonna go home from work and you might be able to separate yourself some people can't but you know you might be able to separate yourself from those that stress but the diabetes stress doesn't stop no matter what yep and that's one of the hardest things about this condition yeah for sure like the ever-present um responsibility that you typically feel with i mean you gotta take care of yourself and you know you do but mm-hmm. it's the end of the day you're exhausted and you don't want to do it so you got to make a decision mm-hmm. and it's a tough decision sometimes sometimes it's it's a no-brainer you're like oh, i got energy let's change my pump change my port site we're good to go let's go um other days it's like man it's 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 just like in the morning for work like it's hard sometimes hard to get your butt out of bed to go to work you're like peeling yourself off the off the bed and eventually you make it mm-hmm. um but then as a diabetic it's like you go you go to lay down in bed and you're like all right i'm done for the day checked out we're done and then you have something go off or you start feeling low or you know whatever the case may be and then it's like man I have to get up off this comfy bed and take care of my diabetes because mm-hmm. it's usually something relatively simple, like changing a pump takes five minutes, five, 10 minutes. In reality, it doesn't seem that hard, that time consuming to do. But in that moment, it's like, it's like, geez, I have to get up and run a marathon. No, you just have to change your pump. But they pretty much are the same thing at that moment. <laughs> they are. They are. I can say that from experience. They are. <laughs> at that exact moment, it feels like it. And cause that's just because of the weight. Mm-hmm. Every every little thing, every decision is another ounce, another pound, another plate on the squat rack of life. And it's it's sometimes you don't want to freaking bring that bar back up. But key is somehow finding the strength to do it right Mm -hmm. and and also to recognize and give you the the love the self-love that you're not going to do it every time and that's okay you know there's a new day tomorrow you can try again tomorrow um you know not weighing on the poor decisions of the past but realizing that tomorrow and today is different and maybe you can make a different decision Mm -hmm. right um, for me, when making those small little movements and, or making those small little changes, like, I really don't want to do that. You know, I'll do that later kind of thing, or I'll do it tomorrow when it comes to my diabetes is the phrase of, you know, doing the right thing is always the right thing. Like just kind of like close my eyes. And now that Grady's in CrossFit, he kind of will get to know this mentality <laughs> a little bit better. Congratulations, Grady, enjoying the cult. Um, but um you know putting your head down and just doing the work like if you're on a salt bike the easiest way to get through the salt bike is just to put your head down and just a freaking go yep. um in a less intense way easiest way to think is i gotta do this literally don't even think of it don't shut everything else off if you can and just just do it you can't think about it. you can't think about it. i don't want to do it you just you just got to do it yeah kind of and, and for me that's been a kind of past year and a half two years what i've thought about in my brain of of trying to find energy to do the things that i don't want to do when i need to do it regarding my diabetes that's kind of what i think about yeah yeah so now that we've are coming to the end of the pity party 
Let's let's try to be a little bit more positive. I got one more pity party comment. Okay, okay, let's go for it. <laughs> um, in a different way, it's um, I just want to highlight too on the the number situation. Mm, yeah, we've talked we've talked about this enough, but I feel like, or in, in various ways, but if we're talking about mental health, like we have to recognize the self worth issues that we can easily develop with our numbers. Right. With mm-hmm. A1C, with blood sugar, insulin, total insulin, basal rates, all we, th- we think about life in numbers. And I think it's hard to, for if you're not a diabetic, to realize that, hey, my friend or my loved one literally is obsessing over this. You know, how people talk about body dysmorphia and feeling with scales, like you're not your weight, like that's like that sensation, but literally nonstop all day with your blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to realize that it's you're not your number. And just because your blood sugar says one thing doesn't mean that you're a failure. You're not that terrible diabetic that we talked about earlier. That's yeah. just one glimpse of moment in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that has stuck with me since I watched this movie, uh, it's uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, um, and it, it like with Matt Damon. Yeah. Yeah. And it highlights like kind of my mindset with life and especially with diabetes. Um, the driver, which is uh, um, Christian Bale. Oh, okay. And he talks about driving the perfect lap and trying to do that every time. And I think his son makes the comment, well, you can't drive a perfect lap every time. Or maybe it's even you can't you can't drive a perfect lap. He's like, no, but I can try. And so that's like my mindset all the time is like, you know, you can't be perfect in life or in diabetes or whatever it is. You can't be perfect, but man, you can try. Mm-hmm. And if you can try and get as close as per- perfection as you can, man, you're going to be doing pretty darn good. And so the goal and and with that mindset, it's you don't get offended and don't take you know, a a personal attack on yourself because you weren't perfect in that moment. The thing is like celebrate those moments when you were perfect or you were close to perfect, but then those moments where you're not perfect, you take a step back and you try to learn from those and then move forward and get better. So that way, when you are presented with that situation in the future, you now have a, have a better um, strategy to overcome that and try to be perfect in that moment for that lap, if you will. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's kind of like with everything, people always say like failure is not failure. It's just a learn learning process. You know, you learn from failure versus winning is great, but you're always going to fail sometime. So learn from it so you can increase the present percentage that you win. Right. And that's, and that's the thing is, you know, if it can be hard to get there, if you're, if you're thinking, oh, I can't do this, my numbers say this, it's not about that. Like you have, like, as best as you can, you need to realize that this is something that is controllable. This is something that isn't you. Because outside of all these thoughts that we have, you can still be a complete success. Yeah, work can be great. You could be the best wife or husband in the world. You could be have so much love to give. And that because you're doing all these things, but your numbers are bad, doesn't make you a bad person. Mm-hmm. And it's just one more aspect. To, it's another lap. It's another race. 
that's happening simultaneously that you can continue to try to do the perfect lap. Mm -hmm. And for those people that might be ignoring their diabetes and might, you know, say, I just kind of do whatever. And, you know, I bolus and correct and I just live with it, you know, or live against it in reality, you know, realizing it's okay to start the engine and it's okay to just try to start to do a lap. You might stall. You might not, you might have the wrong kind of gas in the car, but your car is going to keep on moving. You're going to find a way to keep moving. You're going to change the oil. You're going to change the fuel. You know, what you're doing in this other race of life has no correlation to your diabetes life. And especially as who you as a person, success is so much bigger than just achievements and, and degrees and, and getting things on your CV and Facebook and Instagram. Like it's so much bigger than that. Mm -hmm. Right. So getting, if you're, if you're kind of tearing away from your diabetes, or if you have a friend or a loved one that doesn't seem to really be active in it, it's okay just to start the car a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, hell, just freaking put it in neutral, you know, and just push it and yeah. see how far it goes. Eventually the momentum will be there and then you can continue with the laps mm -hmm. and it's okay to try and fail. Like you yeah. said, cause it's just really learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As long as you're, as long as you're trying, you're probably going to get better. Um, yeah. Obviously, life happens, and so wrenches get thrown into the mix, and sometimes you can't do anything about it, and therefore your diabetes suffers from it because you've never been through something like that before. You don't know how to navigate that situation. So, yeah, sometimes you're not going to do so hot, but you get up, you learn from it, and you move forward. That's right. all you can do. That's all you can do. Um, so it's – you know, I think, uh, I think not Will Ferrell, uh, Will Smith. Um, Will Ferrell is a funny guy, not a motivating guy. Will yeah. Smith is both. Uh, but Will Smith has a similar story of, you know, laying the brick as perfectly as possible. And you don't set out to build a wall. You set out to lay a brick as perfectly as you can. And soon enough, you have a wall, mm -hmm. wall kind of thing. Um, and so it's hard. There's so many things that, that will weigh you down. I mean, hell, was it, um, you know, I looked up a statistic earlier that, you know, diabetics are two to three times higher to have depression in their life um, compared to non-diabetics. And it's for various reasons. And if you don't have somebody to vent to, if you don't know who to even communicate this, it can feel very trapping, but it doesn't mean that you can't change your habits. It doesn't mean that you can't find a group. It doesn't mean that you can learn, you know, you might be motivated and say, yeah, let me fail, but I don't know where to start. There are so many resources out there, not just this podcast, obviously, but books, textbooks, seminars, groups, so many resources that you can continue to learn from and say, how, do, how can I pick myself up out of this? Mm -hmm. You know, but depression and diabetes is real and it's, it's important to point that out, but it doesn't mean it has to be that way. Yeah, exactly. It's all about I mean, it's all about mindset for me, at least. And my mindset is, like I said before, trying to chase perfection, but also not trying to take things so personally that it brings me down. Like, like I said, I get, I get irritated. I get pissed off about it, but I also don't let it linger for days and weeks. Like I try to learn from it and get better at it and, and try things. And so I've tried enough things to where, for most situations, I can figure it out and get it better relatively quickly enough to where it's not going to destroy my whole day. It may destroy that moment, but it's not going to destroy my whole day. And at the same time, like my overall mindset just 
for my life with diabetes is like, you know, what, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and man, diabetes is tough. And guess what? I'm, I'm pushing through it and succeeding. And what that tells me is that I'm pretty damn tough. I'm tougher than diabetes. And, um, and so if, if I can, if I can do diabetes successfully, man, there's nothing that can stop me. The mentality that you need for that is so strong. And if then you learn to, it's almost like we, some would say maybe we even should be grateful because we have yeah. more so than anyone else. We have a chance to sharpen our tools. You know, this is getting a little bit more different type of mentality. Maybe not everyone subscribes to, but man, you have, we have a chance every day to test ourselves and to, to strengthen our, our ability to, to learn, strengthen our ability to adapt, strengthen our ability to say, fuck you. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to comply. I'm going to do what I know is right for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that could be with foods and diets. That could be with moving, um, exercising. And then once you learn, once you realize how much of a badass you are, cause you're actually doing it or you're even trying and you're, you know, that you found the strength just to get your car in damn neutral and start going. Once you realize you have that strength that can be applied in every other aspect of your life. Like it's, it's two races happening simultaneously. You could be your diabetes race could be moving. You need to figure out a way to do that. Or it could be both slow on both races and you can start moving your diabetic car. But then you realize that that fuel is 10 times more of diesel fuel that you can put in whatever Prius car you have that will make that thing go a million miles an hour. Obviously it's, that's a joke. I have nothing wrong. You know, maybe you do, but uh, I have nothing wrong with diesel cars or, or electric cars or whatever have you, but you get the point of realizing that the fuel that you can attain and gather from your diabetes can fuel everything else, you know, but the balancing act and the presence that needs and the self-awareness that needs is requires a lot. But if you can attain that, oh man, your diabetes can make you so strong or rather you already are strong and you can finally realize how strong you actually are. Yeah. Yeah. So in those moments of like feeling down, just think about all the things that diabetes has given you, not taken away from you. What what it has given you for me, I mean, it's given me a lot of things and I, and I contribute a lot of things to my diabetes positively. Um, like my mindset and my resolve is like so much stronger because I have diabetes if I didn't have diabetes, I don't think I would be very strong in my beliefs and my habits because I had nothing to motivate me to be strong in my beliefs and my habits. Diabetes has pushed me into being the healthiest person I think I ever could have been. Um, I never, I don't think I could have been a, as healthy as I am if I didn't have diabetes. I think I'd still be eating like crap and maybe not even exercising as much either. And Um, and like mindset wise, like, like I said before, like I feel tougher and feel like I can handle a lot more because of all the things that I've been able to handle because of diabetes. Um, one of my favorite quotes from Dan Gable is after you've wrestled, everything in life is easy. And I, I think about that all the time, both with wrestling, because that is so true for wrestling. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think about that with diabetes too, like, you know, going and doing a project or something like that's like 
this is nothing compared to what I've already done in my life and had to do in my life and had to overcome in my life, um, because of diabetes. And so, um, think about those things that, and and it's going to be different for every person, but think about those things that, um, diabetes gives you and has, has positively impacted you in your life. And I think we've talked about this before the question of, um, would you take away the diabetes? Um, if you could take a pill or have never gotten it. And for me, it's like, I would, I would take the pill now, but I wouldn't try to erase what has happened before. Like I wouldn't want to go back to 2006 and have that pill because I wouldn't be the person I am today. Like diabetes has made me the person I am today and I'm grateful for it. And, um, and I'm going to keep moving forward. Yeah, no, well said, well said. Um, I actually, uh, you know, I think in 2000, no, this must have been 2008. So actually today is my 14 year anniversary today. Congratulations. Made to 14 years, (laughs) level 14. Um, thank you. Um, but I remember when I was first diagnosed and I felt uh, really confused about all this stuff, you know, kind of this, you know, all the things that's given you that you talked about. I remember back in like eighth grade, I, uh, I, we were writing poetry in, in the, in my English course or something. And I wrote two side by side um, poems and I can't write poetry for, for shit. <laughs> like I realized that there was a time in my life in high school I thought I could. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I remember writing two side by side poems called um My Curse and My Gift. And I like mm. made it like I wrote it all out and then I edited it so like it printed as a C shape for curse and then one as like a G, which the G was actually kind of hard to do because I was just pushing tab a lot on <laughs> Microsoft Word. <laughs> um, but anyways I remember the commentary from my, my teacher at the time was saying, here, this is, these are really good. I think the curse one's a lot better, uh, but I get what you're trying to do. And so at the moment I was only fueled by anger and fear and, and, and sadness towards the condition. But now I think if I wrote those two, it would be flip-flopped. You know, it would be the gift is I could see so much more value in what it's given me. Mm -hmm. Um, than anything else but I think the three things that really transitioned my life with diabetes all was a perfect storm at the same time what and it all happened with chiropractic school and after you know undergrad was you know one was actually moving in with you and meeting you and meeting another diabetic and having that community Mm -hmm. realizing I wasn't alone and I could vent to somebody you know that was huge Um, the second thing was then learning about healthcare in a different way and, and realizing that healthcare and, and taking care of your life takes work. And, you know, as I continue to learn about the body and was in awe of it. Um, so that's part of it. And the third was, as I was doing that, was realizing the emotional attachment for me and motivators, you know, I want to be able to hold my kids. I want to be mm-hmm. able to give my loved ones a hug. I want to see them with my own eyes. And realizing that once I realized that I had that power, all those three things at Perfect Storm sent me on a path of, of really trying to dial in my own, my own sugars. But that's before, you know, it's different for everyone. What, what flips them over the edge, you know, like you said, back in 2006, you probably, you know, you would have taken that pill in a heartbeat, but now that we've gone through those trials, you know, we can definitely see the value and that's brought in our lives. It's difficult. We still swear at it. Still yeah. Sometimes physically punch my pump. <laughs> 
not really. Or am I? I'll let you y'all decide. Um, but it doesn't mean, you know, there's so much value in there and there, you don't have to be alone. You, you know, you're not your numbers. There's, there's so many things to realize about this, that that can be hard. It can be overwhelming, but man, it's, there is a sweet spot in there for sure. Mm -hmm. So that being said, we got anything else? I think I've vented enough. You've vented enough. So probably should have put this disclaimer in, in the beginning, but obviously, you know, mental health and, and depression are very serious, you know, and mm-hmm. if you feel like you're not alone. You feel like you are alone. Um, definitely, you know, seek help in many ways, you know, um, whether it be a trained therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist, um, the suicide hotline, you know, you're, you're not alone. And yeah. um, I or think just finding a community, like, yeah. I think for me, I always recognize when, when I need help is usually when I don't have, or when I am feeling down, it's because there hasn't been a community around me for whatever reason. And so I'm like, I just have to dive into a community, whether it's sometimes it doesn't even need to be related to diabetes. Sometimes it's just, I need to be around people who are like-minded and, um, and care for me. Right. And, but if it's related to diabetes, you know, reach out to Facebook groups or, uh, and try to meet up with people or listen to podcasts like this one or, or anything that directly. Yeah. Anything, anything that will help bring you closer to somebody that can help get you through a situation or help just help understand you. Right. Yeah. It's there, there's so much out there and it's okay to ask for help Mm -hmm. and find like those communities. So it's, um, you're not alone. And so, you know, I almost want to summarize before the last bit um, of saying, you know, there's per- other people's perception of your diabetes that makes it hard. There's your own perception of your numbers. There's literally everything and everything we deal with on a daily basis that makes this hard. Um, there's the physiological components of, of unhealthy. There is managing two worlds. There's your diabetes world and everything else. Um, and so many more complexes and connections of all those things at once that make this so hard, mm-hmm. but doesn't mean that you can't win and overcome those things. Exactly. So with that, Dr. Grady, we're not going to do burst my beta cells today. <laughs> this is like one big giant burst my beta cells. Right. <laughs> what is, uh, your, what's a diabetic win recently for you? Um, I'd say, <laughs> so recently I made that book. Po- <laughs> yeah. Uh, recently I made that post about my blood sugar being all out of whack. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I put my pump on, it was totally fine. Or my, uh, sorry, my, uh, CGM on, it okay. was totally fine. So I was like, well, I just put this on for nothing. Um, but at the same time, I was happy that it normalized and, uh, we're back on track. Mm, nice. So even just a little bit of effort, you know, yeah. I got I got to make moves, to to realize what's going on and you're already on your way. Yep. Sometimes the tension is all it takes, right? Yep. <laughs> um, so, oh, that's awesome. For me, uh, I would say a recent win was, I don't think I, we said this, uh, cause I don't think I had done it yet. I did it this past weekend or last week. Um, but I recently recalibrated my, my basal levels. Mm. Um, and so I haven't seen my endo in a while and I feel like I don't need to wait for my endo. Um, but I just, cause life moves pretty fast. 
fast. You know, life gets busy. And yep. so um, I relooked at my Dexcom data. I didn't share this last time on the with the brain podcast, I don't think. Right. Oh, so I think I share this with you personally, but I um so I looked at my Dexcom data for the last 90 days. Um, and I finally got not just on my app on my phone, but online. And so there's a couple of different more functions you can look at online and and add days together and look at standard deviations with specific days and times. And so I finally successfully created a weekday and work basil and a weekend basil setting that I go I change in between. And I tweaked both of those. And I looked at, man, most of my outer ranges and <laughs> come from the weekends. Who, who would have thought <laughs> um, when things are a little more chaotic? And um, so, but ever since I did that, you know, I, I have all the, what it was, and what I changed it to. So I, I'm now tracking that data, right? So I've, I now, I didn't just get rid of it. I know exactly what I was with my basal rates. Now what I am at those two different settings and now I'm tracking it all. So that way it's easier. It's I can now see the tinkering as I do it more and more in the future, but it's worked out great. I have, think I'm, I have less lows the past week and a half. Um, still have lows. I was low a little bit before this. Um, so I still have lows, but less lows and less highs. I feel like too. night we've talked about how important nighttime blood sugars are so important that I feel like it's level those out. Um, so it's just been a window to, to realize that taking, you know, maybe 20 minutes of looking at Dexcom data, not even, and tweaking it, um, can really make a huge difference. Uh, you know, and it's just trial and error, starting the engine, going and going and learning, going and learning. So yeah. that, that felt good. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's already officially dark at my side side of the country where I am with your palm trees in the background. It's starting to get kind of dark there. So I think we'll end it there, folks. That sounds good. All right. Uh, Well, everyone, thanks for tuning in to uh, this episode of the Die Buddies podcast, and we'll catch you on the next one. See you. so much for listening to today's episode if you found value in today's conversation we would appreciate if you gave a five-star review it really helps us branch out our community and get our message across to those who really need to hear it if you want to interact with us on social media you can follow us on the die buddies podcast on facebook twitter and instagram or if you have any questions comments concerns or moral outrages you can email us at the die buddies podcast at gmail.com thanks